Thanks for listening. This is Angela and David. The following episode was recorded in the winter of 2019. Stay safe. Rise up. Be mighty. This is Into the Trenches. This is an entertainment podcast. We talk to people in the biz, and we're talking about directors, casting directors, producers, actors, anybody who's in this industry. We want to talk to them and talk about what it's like to be in the trenches. No matter what size market that you live in, the one thing that's universal is that this business is hard. So our hope is to have people on the podcast who can share their journey, and perhaps you'll relate with them, learn from them, or just have an amazing time listening to them. I'm David S. Hogan. I'm Angela DeMarco. And this is Into the Trenches. And we would like to welcome Tim Carpenter into the trenches. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. So Tim, we know Tim. Tim is amazing director, he's amazing writer, he's amazing producer, and we wanted to have him on the show for several reasons. A big, cool reason is we all three are working on a feature film together called Mr. Bleachers, which we will surely talk about. But before that, we would love to know about In the Beginning. Tim, how did we all meet? Tell the listeners. How did we meet? I think it was, uh, I had written a short film called 1-800-WITCHES-GOT-A-BURN. And I think I reached out to Lorraine Montez first, and she kind of put me in the direction of you guys, because uh, I was looking for uh, husband-wife actors uh, to play Mr. and Mrs. Flowers. And she put me in your direction, so I just cold-called you basically with an email saying, hey, I have this short film, low budget, do you guys want to be involved? And uh, you guys responded and said yeah, and then we basically met on set that that day where we filmed your scene, so... I remember that. That was the genesis. Thank you, Lorraine. <clears throat> Thanks, yeah, Lorraine. There you go. Lorraine yeah. I think I may have met Tim even before that through mm. Mighty Media. You were working at Mighty oh, Media. Oh, we did a commercial We did like Microsoft. a Microsoft yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. And I remember because yeah. Mighty Media was... Our business is called Mighty Tripod yes. Productions, Mighty Tripod <laughs> Acting Studio. I always thought that and then I heard about Mighty Media, and I was like, <laughs> Mighty Media, that okay? That's they. I hope they're cool because oh, yeah. their their names kind of like ours. Very awesome. similar to ours. Yeah. And then I went in an audition for the thing, and we ended up. That's where, also where I met Stefan, mm-hmm. and um, I just remember being on set, and you know, like, oh, these guys seem pretty cool. I wonder if there's yep. an opportunity. And then maybe a year or so later, the the witches came down the pipe, and mm-hmm. that that was that's uh, actually great. that that is it. Yeah, and I remember hearing about you guys like while I was doing those commercials for Microsoft and stuff, and specifically asking like saying, hey, we should get David Hogan. I want to because I wanted to work with you on. On, on uh, narrative stuff rather than just you know corporate stuff. Sure, so, sure. So I definitely kind of like you know set that up and and you came in and obviously yeah. you know we made that commercial. Totally. And yeah, who doesn't want to work on narrative stuff more so than right. corporate stuff? At least exactly. for me personally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love to do the occasional corporate gig as an actor, but oh my god, I've I find it it's so hard. It's very yeah. challenging. I it was, is. I watch difficult. my work sometimes and I'm like, geez. Well, you know what? Why aren't Here's you nailing it? Why aren't for, you nailing it? For kid? those actors listening, like I think maybe a lot of people might feel that way. However. I remember when it was just like happening back to back to back to back. I was booking all this corporate stuff, and I looked and I was like, "Wow, Mama's paying her mortgage." Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. That actually felt thing. really good. It feels really good. So yeah. I actually, everyone listening, uh, my corporate producers out there, hire me. 
Yep. I love it, and I will take them. <laughs> well, it, it depends on the project. I mean, For you sure. know, we always associate that everything corporate is soulless, but you know, it depends on the team you're working with. You know, totally. If, I think yeah. they're getting more and more creative. They're trying to, yeah. A lot yep. of the ones that I'm a part of, they're like a series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with Von Piglet, Zoo Corcoran a lot, and she makes a point to make them more like a TV show, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that being said, you also do a lot of different things. Tim. Mm-hmm. So it's like not only this corporate, not only narrative. I remember when you reached out about 1-800s because I, I didn't yeah. 1-800, which has got to burn because I didn't work with you before that. And I was like, well, let me look this guy up. And I saw all these really sweet, just super dope music videos. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like this guy's like connected with so many different types of artists uh, who respect and uh, love your vision. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. How did you get into the the music video world? Because it's very different. You know, these are all very different world. Corporate is different than uh, the film world versus music video world, meaning the people. Like, they're not all just, like, oh, yeah. hanging out together. <laughs> very different worlds. Yeah. Are. How did that happen? Uh, well, so music videos are, like, the easiest thing, I would say, because, you know, I don't know, you got your song, right? And a lot of my ideas, a lot of the visions I have come from music itself. So if somebody, an artist, gives me a track, then boom, it pretty much, you know, instantly evokes some kind of vision. So right there, that was like a natural a natural fit, right? So, um, and then music videos, there aren't really any rules. There are no rules, you know? If you're on nice. set doing a corporate Microsoft thing and, you, you know, for $1.5 million, there's many, many rules and many things you can't do and can do, and you've got a whole team of people all having a say, right? If you're doing music videos, it's you and the artist, and if the artist likes your vision, which they should if they've hired you or, you know, just asked you to do something for them, then you basically have free reign to get as absolutely crazy as you want. And I personally think it's it's a great, if you're an upcoming filmmaker and want to be a director or whatever, it's the best playground for you to, to begin with because mm. it's you can get as experimental as you want. You can just do batshit crazy ideas and, uh, you know, and just experiment with the visuals and just get crazy with it. And you don't have to worry about all the sound, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of like you can have a very small crew. You know, it could just be you directing shooting. You can have somebody handling lights and then and that's basically it. And you're artist, you know, um, artist wise, who was one of the first artists that reached out to you? Uh, I think uh, assuming it? it was that way versus you finding artists going let me make you a video no, did yeah. they approach you so my wife Lacey her best friend Kelly had a boyfriend has a boyfriend sorry called Matt and he had a band back in the day he has another band now called The Requisite which I've also done a video for but his first band or one of his first bands was called Socrates and the Lava Gods good name I Great love that yeah, name they were actually good I liked them um, so they came to me and asked me for a video because they knew you know it was you know, so yeah, uh, we did a video for them, and uh, yeah, and that was kind of the first. And you've also done a lot of hip hop and rap videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to I used to be a rapper back in the day myself. So say what? Yeah. Wait, can you, you spit didn't know a verse I thought or two? you knew that. I don't know if I did know that. No, I'm pretty sure you knew that. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, Maybe what? not. I don't know. Oh my! So that's I feel a kinship with them, you know, and yeah. that's kind of yeah. my my soul is kind of like you know hip hop. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just that's what I gravitate towards sure. musically. And so, when you say you yeah. let's let's circle back a little bit. When you mm-hmm. say you were a rapper back in the day, mm-hmm. was that here? No, it was in England. Yeah. So in England. Yeah, yeah. So, I was going to yeah. say, I'm sure by this point, some of our listeners who maybe don't know Tim, don't know us, and you guys are like, oh my gosh, this podcast is amazing. So of course we're going to listen. <laughs> but you're also noticing, like, hey, this guy's got a little bit of an accent. So yes. Oh right, yeah. That yeah. right, Tim was not born and raised in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the the. So t- tell me a little bit about the. What was your 
handle? What was your rapper name? Or was it just Tim Carpenter? Oh, yeah, it was Tim Carpenter. No, yeah, my... Uh, <laughs> MC Tim Carpenter in was, the house. Let's I went by Malachi, and, uh, nice. uh, like, I had a group of guys with me, uh, Wisdom Tooth, who was a best friend that I grew up with, actually, uh, called Adam Young, and uh, he he produced all the music, kind of assembled other rappers around uh, Leeds, which is where I was from, or I am from, and uh, we created this, uh, like, a thing called Rough Records, and we would go and kind of, you know, we would just make tracks with various producers and all that kind of stuff. Did that for about 10 years straight. Nice. Released two albums, one under Dr. Knox, and one was on a compilation album called Leads by Example, which was headed up by Jamie Donahue, who is now a director with Netflix, which is very strange. Hmm. So it's a small world, yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, and yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, I moved back to England, did the music for about a decade, um, and you know, we got in a couple magazines, but never really made any money or really got any acclaim. So <laughs> the struggle is real. And then I moved back to America and picked back up my my love of filmmaking. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for that, Tim, for that little background so we know. So that being said, then you've come to Seattle and you get connected with other hip hop and uh, rappers here in town who say, hey, we want to work with you. How did that come to be? The first one was on The Rhyme Hustler, who is Mr. Scrappy in, in Mr. Bleachers. And uh, I went to film school and uh, had a friend uh, who basically wanted to get like a little production company together so he brought me on as a director for a music video and he had a connection he knew on somehow i don't know how but um they basically asked me to to write and direct this uh, uh a music video for him that was i can't remember the name now spacing but uh and i met billy the fridge there too who's also in mr bleachers and that that was like eight years ago mate no maybe seven or something but it was a long time ago yeah Anyways, that was a blast, and that kind of introduced me to, you know, Un's like, oh, you know, I've worked with this guy called Tim, and he's got other people that he knows, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So he kind of filtered me different rappers from Seattle, and I would just kind of like, you know, they would, you know, we would, some would either vibes and others wouldn't, but, yeah. Did you go to film school here in Seattle? Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was the Institute of Seattle. It wasn't like film, film school, so, yeah. yeah. Still training, learning your craft. Yeah, I dropped out, though, but... (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you know how I'm going to learn? I'm going to do it. Exactly. No, that's it. It's it's hands-on. Yeah, it really is, so... That's one of my first uh, acting instructors uh, back at Seattle University. That's what he told me, because I was contemplating, should I go to graduate school? He's like, just go be in plays. Yeah. Go start auditioning. You're going to learn so much by just getting in and getting your hands dirty, getting into the trenches, yep. you're going to oh, figure out what you tools go. you need. You're going to mm-hmm. figure it out. And that's kind of how it worked for me, which was not to say that you can't go to graduate school, and that's going to that'd be a great path as well. But for me, just getting in the trenches as an actor through theater, that's where I got my, my start. Yeah, and have, I mean, having studied in a BFA program, I'm not going to lie, there's things I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even more so, one of my biggest focuses was Commedia dell'arte, and that was not by any means my degree. But I learned so much of that about comedy, mm-hmm. which is why I love doing comedy, which I wish there was more of that when it comes to film uh, here in town. Yeah. But I, I do have to say that actually when I was on my feet and when I first moved to L.A. and actually getting on a set or doing a play, I mean, I think people have to realize the work is also one of our best classrooms Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so i can't help but ask uh and i know a lot of people ask this and they're like uh so maybe you don't have to say the most challenging so how about this how about what was one of the most challenging or rewarding 
directorial experiences that you've had? Directorial experiences. Um, I mean, to give to give like kind of a general answer, I would say. Just kind of assembling, you know, producing, writing, directing, and seeing it come together. Mr. Bleachers is, you know, since for the last decade I've been striving to do a feature film, as you guys know, we've had those conversations and stuff, and to actually just do it. But, you know, you can't do it by yourself. And having all of these amazing, talented people come behind me and seeing us all come together collectively and make something that's quality, you know, like that was probably one of my proudest moments or achievements or whatever. But. No, I think that's a great. And now that we're talking and we're on the subject, which we knew it would go to the wonderful albino uh, best friend, Mr. Bleachers, <laughs> uh, look it up, you guys, and you'll know what we're talking about. <clears throat> I would love for you to tell us a little bit about how that story and vision came to be. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah. So it's it's – for a long time, I've wanted to do a feature film. Like, that's, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was like, I want to be a feature film director. Just didn't really know how. Did a lot of, like, messing around in life. And then eventually, when I was, like, 27, you know, sobered up and decided, like, this is what I'm going to do, you know. And ever since then, I've just been hitting it hard, you know. So um, what I do, what I have done is, like, constantly ask, you know, pray, basically, like, give me the idea. Give me an inspiration that's cheap, easy to do, that I can do right here, right now, that's, you know, that I'm able to do, you know? And because I always get these ideas, and I've written a lot of future scripts, but they're always, you know, million-dollar budget things that are just completely, you know, undoable right now. So a couple, like, maybe five years were going by. I was uh, on my, I think I was in, I think I was in California doing, filming something, and on my on my flight back, I was taking, like, a red eye, and there was this, uh, what, do, what do you call them? Air hostess? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or flight attendant. It was, like, a, it was a male flight, flight attendant, yeah. Yeah, flight attendant. Flight attendant. So there was this flight attendant, and he just had this long, super bleach blonde, wispy hair, and he had this very pale complexion. And he stood at the front, and it, because it was a nighttime flight, the lights were dim, and it was he was very enveloped in shadow. And he was stood at the front, and he was speaking into those little, uh, you know, voice buck things or whatever, saying, like, you know, put your seatbelts on. And, and he had this high, wispy voice where it's like, hello, la, 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 la. And it was like from the South, kind of what I perceive as from the South. Sure. And he was just kind of like, please take your seat, son of a manager. You know, like just, it was like this very interesting. And I was just, and I had my headphones on listening to Kruder Dorfmeister. And I was just like <laughs> seeing this, seeing this guy and just like, you know, things just come to life. And it's like, wow, something's, something's happening here. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and then he went and sat down in, uh, once he'd done all his work, he went and sat down and kind of was, and I, but I had a direct sight for him, you know, where they have the kitchen or whatever. Yeah. Just past the toilets. I had a, a direct sight for him, but he was sitting on the bench. The kitchen next to the toilets that's the best place for the kitchen basically but he just sat down on the bench and because like i said the lights were low this half of his face was completely shrouded in shadow and then and then but but he had angled his body so it looked like he was looking directly at me and he was just like and his eyes were wide open he might have been looking at you but his eyes were wide open and he had this like vacant smile on his face where i was just like you know like one of those one of like that and he was just like boom like the whole time just kind of staring and I was just like, wow, this is something right here. This is really something. <laughs> okay, so you you see this inspiration on the plane. <laughs> Years pass. I mean, I have a feeling he was looking at you. You know, you may have thought, it, maybe he really was. Maybe he's like, why is this guy looking at me? Maybe he was looking at you the whole flight. But either way, you have this inspiration, this southern... Uh, you know, the, the bleached hair. So it's like maybe that's a little bit of where bleachers came from. And then the story came to fruition. 
when? Yeah, we took a, my friend was getting married, so we took a trip to uh, Yellowstone and um, yeah, took a road trip to Yellowstone and on the way back from that, uh, basically, I was just kind of sitting there, and it was like a 24-hour trip, so it was just long, and, you know, the whole, you know, it was kind of quiet. We were kind of burnt out, and, um, yeah, and the idea just kind of started flooding to me, so I got my cell phone and just started, you know, go, went to the notes and just put, like, you know, scene one, scene two, scene three, and just kind of mapping out and doing the skeleton of the entire film, um, and then, uh, you know, kind of rode that wave of inspiration, went home and wrote it in five days. In five days. Yeah. That is the fastest. I mean, usually it yeah. takes me like six months to a year draft, or a couple of years. Still. But yeah, it was the first draft, so it was very rough. But but I love that you're saying that it's yeah. like it actually is something that two years ago, really, the seed began there. Exactly. And it yeah. starts, gr- and then driving home in the dark one night, all of a sudden, yeah. it starts coming together, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Well, that's, yeah. As an artist, you never know when things are going to click, you know, like, sure. you know, this idea then, you know, merges with this idea and it becomes something, you know, completely new. So I think that's beautiful, though. And it's something that I think sometimes in our darkest moments or our loved ones, darkest moments, if we're sharing those with them and then the odd moments in life, like an artist, we, we just always have to be aware of what's around us because yeah. you never know when that's going to fuel something. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. I think the yeah. best the best practice for any artist or any human being really is meditation and just being helping yourself be consciously aware the whole time mm-hmm. and susceptible and, and to everything that's going on around you, you know, because you're, you're absorbing so much, but it all gets completely bypassed by the conscious mind, shoved into the subconscious, and then it just lays dormant there, you know. And then if yeah. we don't deal with it, eventually it crops up with problems later on and, and all that kind of stuff, which is exactly what Mr. Bleachers is about. But Yeah, just put that all out on paper. But if you meditate daily, then you're constantly aware of the channel of what's going on, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can keep an open connection and all that kind of stuff. So when things do happen, things can click and just pour out of you, you know. Is that something you do? Are you a daily meditator? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say like I'm a hardcore disciplined meditator, but I I try to meditate at least or about 20 minutes a day. Awesome. That's good. That's really good. I think a lot of people also think it has to be this... You know, there's the whole, and now we're kind of segueing into meditation, but the it's like you have to turn your mind off completely, and it's really just right. about being and settling. And I think we're always constantly, especially in this business, whether you're director, writer, producer, right? We're always, it's always about that hustle, what's next, what am I doing, what am I planning? Uh, as we three in this room know, we still have, uh, by the time this airs, we might be wrapped by then. Um, but we do still have a few days. So we're also like, oh, when am I wrapping up this film? Or when am I writing this next gig? Or Right? Yeah. So I think it is good at least to just allow yourself a pause. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, David? I have a question. So you're, you're a director, so that means you see a lot of actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a two-part question. Do you have any... Any advice for actors, like during the audition? Is there anything that mm. that actors can do to help them stand out, um, or is there anything you see in the audition process that you know? Just any words of advice for actors that might be listening? Because I find auditioning probably the hardest. It's yeah, part. it's just such a weird thing because you're basically just going in there blind. You have a tiny, you probably don't even have the full script, so you don't have a concept of really what the whole thing's about. So it's mm-hmm. it's very difficult. But um, personally, as a director, when somebody comes in. I, I would just say authenticity, you know, just be a human being, <laughs> just be a normal person, you know, and obviously everybody is like super buzzing with nerves because, you know, no matter what, it's ner- it's nerve wracking. But just don't don't be like over the top. Just I don't know, just come in and say, say, you know, say hello and how you doing and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, do your thing and then just say thanks for having me and thanks for seeing me. Hope to see you again or something like that. And then just I don't know. I don't really know advice, but. Mm-hmm. 
I think that what you just said though is huge because I think a lot of people we we as artists are oh, I hope I, I gotta yeah. show Tim what he wants yeah, I better right. show Tim I, I, I heard he called in so and so I'll act like her well, versus you just said off, off, authenticity and the thing is yeah authenticity and that's it because when you're casting <laughs> little Bruno um, when you're casting you know you as a director or writer you have the 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 characters in mind right so if a character is six foot two and aggressive and all of this kind of stuff then that's who you have to cast and if you come in and you're five nine and you're just the sweetest person on the planet you're not going to get the role and it has nothing to do with your skill it's just the fact that you're not in that world you know you can't you can't personify that character Mm -hmm. so I mean, I don't know, like the rejection, you know, like we, me as a writer, director, submitting film to film festivals and all that, you guys yes. as actors, the rejection is one of the hardest things on the planet because what's wrong with me? Do I suck? And all this kind of stuff. But just like film festivals, it's like the festival has established a theme for that year. They are either, they're usually going with the zeitgeist, whatever's the hot topic in politics right now, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it might be. And they'll only accept those films. And it's got nothing mm-hmm. to do with the quality bar of your film or anything like that. Sometimes it does, I mean, obviously. Sure. But for the most part, it doesn't. And it's, you know, and if you get rejected, you just have to, you just have to know that and just know that it's not personal. It's not because your film sucks. It's just because um, it just is the wrong place, wrong time. These people have their own agenda, these own their own things that they need to do. And it's the same with casting, you know, so just because I, I do feel for actors when you reject them because I, you know, it's tough. It th- can throw you into depression and, and, and questioning everything, you know, like, why am I even doing this? What's the point? All this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know actors very well. <laughs> yeah, ex- well, yeah. Well, we la- we laugh about it, but it's true. It, it, I mean, it really, we can get in our heads and immediately it's like, it was us, it was us. But I love what you're saying that we as actors, directors, whatever it may be, we just have to understand that there's so much out of our control. Our right, dear friend exactly. Sean Cook always says, remember, you can only control the controllables. Yep. So let go of the rest. Yeah, exactly. So, and just know that, you know, know that when you step in, you're either right for the part or you're not right for the part. And that's yeah. the thing. That's nothing that you can do to change, you know. It's just you either have that in you or you don't. And uh, and so just go there and be your authentic self, you know. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're not directing, when you're not writing, when you're not producing, when you're not meditating, what is something that you do that helps you, uh, you know, refuel or something that you find just utter joy in? Uh, well, I mean, ever since when I was a kid growing up and all the way till about my early 20s before. Anyways, I used to be obsessed with martial arts and exercise, working out, all that kind of stuff. So and I'm, I've just, in January, you know, New Year's resolution, but it wasn't. But uh, yeah, just starting getting back into that whole thing. So working out and just kind of, you know, physically, I just, I'm very energetic. So I need to be physically expressing or physically doing something. So nice. yeah, that kind of keeps me sane, I would say. What kind of martial arts? Uh, I did karate, judo. Uh, did I say Aikido? No. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, no, well, yeah, back in the day. Uh, and then Chungi Musul, <laughs> which was kind of based on Taekwondo, uh, but it incorporated weapons and all kinds of other different stuff and, and things like that. So, and then kickboxing and Muay Thai and a uh, whole gamut. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, gl- I'm really glad you brought that up. It was a good question because when I was first doing my Tim Carpenter research, whenever that was back in the day, thinking hmm. like, who is this person? Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. What, what is he up to? I think I saw... 
Beast. Yes, uh, your Beast, film yeah. Beast. Oh, and yeah. I was like, oh, look at that. There's like just like a sword. There's like swords mm-hmm. and fighting. And then one eight hundred had a, a huge knife fight. And so yeah. I definitely yeah. could tell that, that was that was part of your thing. <laughs> That's definitely my main thing. That's my foundation right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. is I was you know obsessed. Well, when I was like four years old, some boy on the block called Kasim. Uh, Took you know she, well, he was like my friend. He was a couple of years older than me, and he showed me the Big Boss, uh, the Bruce Lee film, mm, and I, yeah. I literally yes. became just fell in love with that. Like when he jumps over the fence at the end, like that you know I don't know it blew my mind. So ever since then, I literally have just been obsessed with martial arts, and then it turned into being obsessed with Jackie Chan films, Snake mm-hmm. and Crane of Shaolin, and uh, Snake and the Eagle Shadow, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, that turned into you know Jet Li, you know Donnie Yen, all these guys. Uh, basically, just my bread and butter. Uh, absolutely addicted to them, you know, throughout all my teenage years. And then, uh, yeah, making friends with my films, we would always make like little action, you know, ninja things and yeah. fight scenes and, yeah, comedy Beast skits. Was yeah. epic. Thank you. Yeah. So, can you uh, jump over a fence like that? <clears throat> not anymore, no. I actually used <gasps> to be able to do some pretty cool stuff, but definitely not now with my 36 year old buddy. <laughs> but that's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Be like, oh, yes, I used to. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously it was movie tricks but <laughs> nobody can do that but I could do I could do acrobatics yeah nice yeah, not nice. anymore though. so what's next are you talking post bleachers like what's next or or with bleachers or, with bleachers, or, or yeah what's next that's a you know that's a question I ask myself all the time I mean um, as much as that we difficult. can say right? yeah I mean yeah. so I'm wrapping up a couple things I got a music video in the works uh, two that haven't been released yet for an amazing singer uh, called Allah and she's she's about she's getting ready to launch her whole uh, thing so I'm looking forward to that excited nice. about that Wrapping that up and then uh, wrapping bleaches up just in post. Well, we're kind of doing post in bleaches while we're waiting to film these last four days. Right. And then once we have those done, just cut through the summer um, and hopefully have like a V1 done by, you know, October sometime. Smart. And then in the meantime, just keep just keep creating, you know, and seeing whatever catches because it's like you just got to, you know, keep churning stuff out. And eventually you work with that one person that, you know. Or whatever it might be. It might just be the right project at the right time. And yeah. I don't know. So just keep doing that. And I love that you mentioned that, especially for our other indie filmmakers listening. I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who, like Tim said, you have a feature that you've written that you're like, oh, I know this one's got to be at least five, ten million or, you know, and then all of us are trying to make a feature that can be under, you know, that can be 500,000 or whatever that might be uh, budget wise. But that sometimes you are filming over the course of several weeks, several months. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I loved uh, that you, Tim and Lacey, um, your partner are doing is in between that time, you're not just sitting and waiting, which I think a lot of people don't realize, like, hey, we could be editing while we're filming. Mm -hmm. We could be getting this portion done, right? Yeah, So it's also staying, you know, as much ahead of the game as you can, because I think some of the scariest things for all of us is post. As actors, how many times have we been in a project and it just never gets finished? Because it's hard. Mm How many times have we wanted that footage and they're like, oh, I don't know where it is because mm-hmm. they didn't even get color correction or, right. you know, do the sound yet. You just so. get burnt out, you know. Yes. I mean, because with low budget stuff, independent stuff, you know, you're funding it, you're producing it, you're doing writing it, directing it, you're doing everything, you know, and you're doing the crafty, you're doing the set design, you know, and you get burnt out. It's friggin' emotionally exhausting. So, uh, yeah. you you know, you do need to take a break, but then just make sure you pick it back up after, after you've recuperated, basically. I mean, and that's really why this show is called Into the Trenches is mm-hmm. because most Oof. of the time we're bringing on 
on actors, filmmakers, directors who are kind of working on shoestring budgets. You know, eventually mm-hmm. we're going to be working on those big multi-million right. dollar budgets where yep. people are funding our projects. But for the most part, the the independent filmmakers are where I kind of cut my teeth as an actor are with folks who are making their first couple of projects and they mm-hmm. don't have tons of money to spend. And so a lot of times the work is work. There's this really weird notion uh, that movie making is all glamorous right. and it's like <laughs> Hollywood oh and everything is just like, oh my gosh, it's, it's so exhausting. fancy and red yeah. carpets. And it's, no, it is, it's a slog. It's work. You got to come yeah. ready to go and you got to come with your tools. Well, and we always have like 12 to 14 hour days too. So it's, you it's, know. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's a lot to do. Hey, we're taking a break for some sponsor shout outs. Who are we shouting out today, Angela? The Seattle Film Summit. Coming this November 2020, you can check them out on Facebook for more details. SeattleFilmSummit.com. All right, I have a sponsor shout-out for Jody Rothfield Casting. If you're casting a commercial, a movie, Jody is the person you want to contact. JodyRothfield at gmail.com, also for you actors. She teaches an amazing auditioning workshop for adults and youth. And special thanks to our sponsor, Bredetta Vines VoiceOver Talent. From soccer mom, sexy siren, to valley girl and warrior woman, Bredetta has your commercial, audiobook, and animation needs covered. Want to join her in the trenches? She offers private coaching for you, an aspiring voiceover talent. To schedule a session with Bredetta, go to bredettavines.com. That's B-R-A-D-E-T-T-A-V-I-N-E-S dot com. Shout out to Mighty Tripod Productions and Mighty Tripod Acting Studio. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or check us out at MightyTripod.com. Since we're talking about this script and Mr. Bleachers, is there anything that was on the page, like stuff that you wrote, or or were there things that have happened on set Mm -hmm. that weren't scripted? That oh, were either yeah. happy accidents or oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh, try that. Oh, how, tons how does of things. Uh, Tim was working with Angela DeMarco and David Hogan, so no, totally. Yeah. I heard those two are divas. Well, uh, you know, and the th- <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, one one big learning experience because with short films and stuff, obviously you get all these experiences, but that's like a sprint, and a feature film is a marathon, you know. Mm-hmm. So you you really get to understand and know the whole thing like really well so one thing i learned is that uh you know when you cast you that person is that person with that personality and that persona you know and it's they will you can you have it as a writer and director you have it very solid in your mind you know and exactly how you think it should be because it came from you right it's a part Mm. of your psyche but then you have this other completely other human being with a whole different past, whole different history, whole different take on it, right? And obviously they come to you and say, hey, I'm thinking my character's like this and her background's, you know, trying to find the motivation for the character. And you both obviously sync on that and say, yeah, that's that's the way to go. That's what we're doing, you know? But it's going to be different. It's always going to turn out different than what you pictured in your head. And that some directors, and I used to be like this like a while ago, don't allow that. They they basically are rigid and stiff and it's like, nope, do it again. Do it, you know, and they just mm-hmm. make you do, do, they make the actor do it over and over and over again until they get it exactly how they want it to be. And that just isn't, you know, 
but that's not the actor, you know? So one thing I found is that if you want organic, natural performances, you take that person that you're working with, and I, mean, I think John Carpenter said this, where you cast them, you cast, casting is like the number one thing. Once you've cast it, then as a director, you can kind of just sit back and allow mm. them to do it because that is the person. So if they sit there and they look a certain way or don't say anything even, they're not they're not saying anything and looking a certain way exactly how you want them to so it's totally fine you know mm -hmm. it, you can't cast somebody and then beat them into submission to make them do it your way you know mm -hmm. so it's just it's a living breathing organic process filmmaking i would say because it, it's you're working it's about working with other people the whole thing is working with other people so you need to just love and respect and understand where that person is coming from and their take on the role and just go with it, flow with it, you know? And usually it does actually turn out a lot better than what you had pictured in your mind. Mm. I love that you're saying, too, that you say, I can even look back just, you know, however many years ago and I was that director because having this be being my first feature <laughs> film experience with you, yeah, that I can, and being a producing partner with you, I cannot say enough what a pleasure it was and is working with you and how open you are to change and adapt and to how you allowed, not changed it, but how you allowed your script to grow and be something right. I think even bigger than you realized. And it did start with casting. I remember as we were casting the film and, and I was helping you and, and Dave and I have this amazing acting studio. So of course we've had a lot of talent. That's Bruno in the background shaking. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of talent that comes through our doors and there was this student we knew we really wanted you to see, Obadiah, Obadiah Freeman. Yeah. And Obadiah Freeman is uh, did book the lead role of the film. And it definitely changed a lot of the dynamic by putting uh, a black actor in that role where a lot of the villains of his childhood in the film, these are not spoilers, you guys can get a sense of this in the trailer, uh, happened to all be these white characters. And I remember one day Tim and I went, well, we're gonna be touching on some racism in this film. But that's life. Because mm -hmm. also what's great about the film that you already had from the get-go is it's hilarious. It's also funny in some of the darkest, sickest moments. You have made <laughs> like this, I think, of Shaun of the Dead. You know, you, you've made uh -huh. these moments of like obscurity and gore hilarious. And then when you were open, when I approached you, and many people know this about me, I said, hey, I want to help you produce this film. But as an actor, I like to have a role in the film, and I, I really, you know, I don't want, you know, two lines, and you changed a role that was written right. originally yeah. as a father yeah, for me, absolutely, yeah. as a mother, and she's just this badass, mm -hmm. cool, everything for her daughter, yep. and then also helping others, and again, something that, I'm telling you, all my directors out there and writers, what Tim did, he knew. A, this is going to be great and more collaborative by me allowing this and doing these changes and bringing in these artists, but also for all of us that we felt like we had a voice, that we felt like you trusted our artistry to help uh, still give you your vision, yep. but also see what else was possible. Yeah. Uh, I think it's killer. And I think on set working with you, any changes I've had or any changes you had, working with you and communicating with you, I think that's another thing I haven't experienced a lot is a director actually taking the time, especially on an indie, time is money, or time is just time, even if you don't have the money, <laughs> that you took it. You always took the time to sit, to talk, whether it was to the extras, whether it was to the, our co-stars or our leads. You would take 10 minutes or if it had to be longer about like, hey, yeah, let's let's see how this can work. Mm -hmm. And yeah. ultimately yeah. those scenes were just fire. 
why that's why like storytelling is so difficult because there are you know I used to think that like things would just download and you know worlds come fully formed fully finished and boom you're just this vessel that kind of just channels it you know but I don't know I mean maybe it was like that because but it's definitely morphed and, and evolved into like there's just so many different avenues when you whenever anybody who's written a script knows this you always have so you have infinite choices of which direction the story can go mm-hmm. you know and uh it's that's why it's so difficult but you obviously have these principles right of storytelling that have been laid down since the dawn of time you know and uh you always need to follow those but i think that's why it's you you can do things like change greg the character greg into tess you know and uh and and things like that because it's just it's different paths and as long as you're still conveying your message mm-hmm. and the purpose of the film and the overarching themes are not being t- changed, you know, uh, then, you know, you can change things around no matter what, because storytelling is infinite potentiality. Right? <laughs> I agree. I yeah. agree. Well, we definitely will have a little plug after our bonus round to let people know how you can check out stuff about Tim, projects, whether that's videos or Mr. Bleachers. But first, you all know what, what time it is. What time is it, David? It's time for the bonus round. Bonus round. Number one, Tim Carpenter. Waffles or pancakes? Waffles. Mm. No right question. No question. Yeah. Do you I mean, I, I love pancakes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. But it's waffles. But now, it's do you have waffles. a waffle maker? I actually. Don't I don't think we don't either, oh, yeah. and we said waffles. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So See? all three Like-minded. of us need to invest. We have so many appliances. <laughs> I have so many kitchen appliances. Yeah, they though. might just be stuffed away at the back of a cupboard somewhere. But I know. Mm. Okay. Good. Number two. What is your jam? <laughs> what is my jam? <laughs> blackberry jam? I guess if we're talking that. Okay. Okay. Could be. That's one interpretation. Good. Good. I like it. And then if we're talking musically, like you were saying, maybe hip, you know, hip hop, obviously, or who's an artist? Electronic. Like if you had an artist, if you're like, mm, it's this artist. This is my go-to. Uh, probably Wu Tang Clan Ooh. did a lot for me back in the day. Yes. yes. Um, DMX did a lot for me as well. Yes. Uh, KRS One, Big L, Rakim Allah. Uh, just all of the original For guys, sure. you know, like original, and then those the the generation after those, yeah. you know, and then after that, no, yeah, K- <laughs> K- uh, Boogie Down Productions and Eric B and Rakim, yeah, huge Eric B and Rakim, yeah, when I was like getting my start as a hip hop head, those yeah. were very big. And East Coast, I started on the East Coast, yep. where you know it's kind yep. of the original stuff. Mostly, we have talked about the East Coast big sound, kind of like pun, so I have to say, big, oh, pun. big pun. Yeah. That's good too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the early hip hop of the '70s, and then it, eventually I turned into a just I converted to a West Coast. West Coast, guy. yeah. But yeah. yes, back in the day, that's right. Boogie Down Productions, Eric B and Rakim. Yep, can't go wrong. Number three, Tim, would you please finish this sentence? I would like to dedicate this Oscar to uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's that's funny because everybody's always it's the cliche. I would like to dedicate this to God, you know. But mm-hmm. in, in my case, like truly, like I have to, you know. He saved my life, so right yeah. I uh, I was an alcoholic, and you know that whole thing. Almost died from a seizure, mm-hmm. and oh, well, I had a had, had a seizure. I thought I was dying because I didn't know what was going on, and then uh, you know he put me back on my feet and got rid of all that and put me on the right path. So in my case, I would genuinely, definitely have to say that. Yeah. Right on. And was that were you around twenty seven? Because I heard yep. the number twenty seven. That yep. was that was a big year for me too. 
too. That's kind of when I found acting. Yeah. And I had just gone through rehab uh, a little bit before that mm-hmm. and kind of turned a corner. Uh, I joined a choir, Seattle oh, University lady. Choir. Yeah. I mean, I was going to a Catholic university. I'm, I'm a spiritual human, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily a Christian, but interesting. 27, that's mm-hmm. when that corner turned for me that's as well. That's weird, yeah. I think for men, it's... I don't know. I think we're children pretty much until 30, you know. Mm. Women women mature way quicker. And then something happens around 30 in a man where you kind of just, you know, you stop being a boy and you start, you know. You kind of just mentally mature, I think. You're like, oh, boy, sure. hashtag adulting. i got to start doing this. <laughs> no doubt. So uh, the final bonus final, round question. Final question. Number four. Is, um, another finish this sentence. So finish this sentence, if you could. Uh, the next time I go into the trenches, I will be sure to... Evoke a spirit of laughter, love, and joy again, you know, because the joy and creativity is where the best work is done, so... I mean, sorry, well, yeah, the spirit of joy is the spirit of creativity. So the more joyful you are, the more creative you are, and the better product you'll get. So, yeah. Heck yeah. Preach. Preach. So, Tim, this is a good opportunity. If there's any people want to, like, reach out to you, if there's any social media platforms, you're like, hey, I'm on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, or if you want people to follow any of your projects, uh, or that uh, video you just said of uh, the artist you worked with, Allah, um, or the Mr. Bleachers. Yeah, so I have an Instagram. It's director Tim Carpenter. Uh, you can check out, you know, BTS and all that kind of stuff that we're doing there. Uh, also got a Facebook, which I think is also called Director Tim Carpenter. I think. Right on, right on. Uh, so you can check that out. And then other projects I got going on. Yeah, a couple of music videos from the artist Allah are, com- are coming out pretty soon. Next couple of months, Bleachers. Obviously, you can follow that on the website, which is just if you go to Facebook and type in Mr. Bleachers movie, uh, you can find the page. And I think it's also on Instagram and Twitter also. Yes, Mr. Mr. Bleachers. Bleachers movie. And uh, the trailer is online. If you want to go go to YouTube, type in Mr. Bleachers trailer. You can check that out right now. And that's that's kind of like a pre-trailer, early trailer. We'll be releasing a second trailer later on. It's like a tease. It's a tease trailer. It's a tease trailer. It's a yeah. Well, Mr. Tim. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't believe it's over. It's been so fun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you again. Okay, good. And bleachers out. Bleachers out. Thank you for spending some time with us in the trenches. This is the part of the episode where we say things like, please subscribe and like us and follow us on social. Where can they find us, Angela? We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Mighty Tripod. Subscribe. Be mighty. Holla at your boy. Be safe out there. Into the trenches.